This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com Good morning. It is October 4th, 2023, and you are listening to Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel. This is live talk radio the way it should be. I am your host, Mike Parrott, broadcasting every single morning at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time from the heart of America. And I can be reached at RestoringTheFaithMedia at gmail.com. Well, he's out. I know you already know that. But I want you to take a mental journey with me just for some context. I think that perspective and context is really important. I think that we need to always place ourselves into the shoes, historically speaking, of what matters, what we have been through as a people, so that we can best evaluate exactly what we're witnessing now in these United States. I'm speaking, of course, about Kevin McCarthy, the former Speaker of the House of Representatives. I believe he's the 55th Speaker of the House. Ousted. First time in American history. But I want to take you through a little bit of recent modern American history to understand the context. So let's all pretend that we were born in the year of our Lord, 1900 A.D., It's not that long ago, practically anybody listening to the Crusade Channel remembers the 90s, possibly the 80s. So if you think about it, we're really only talking about our parents or our grandparents' generation, okay? We are born in the year 1900. By our 14th birthday the world will have gone to war. The war to end all wars. The First World War. It wasn't called World War I at that time. We would have called it the war to end all wars, or the Great War. We witnessed 22 million people perish in that war. Many of our friends would have gone over to Europe. They would have volunteered to defend the Entente, the British and the French people. They would have fought the Krauts in World War I. Trench warfare. The introduction of heavy artillery, heavy machine gunning, and deadly gas. Trench warfare over individual square feet, a game of inches, a test of endurance. The ultimate definition of a war of attrition. To be the last man standing. 
This was on your 14th birthday when this began. It would have been over by your 18th birthday. But then in about a year, the so-called Spanish flu epidemic would have hit the planet. And that would have gone for a couple years till your 20th birthday. And if you weren't shocked and horrified by 22 million people perishing in the war to end all wars, 50 million people will have died in just two years. Yes, 50 million people from the so-called Spanish flu. Of course, now, that is a pejorative name given to the Spaniards, not even a Spanish origin, the flu. In fact, I have a totally different theory about that, which maybe we'll have time to get to in this program. If not, remind me to talk to you about the Spanish flu. 50 million people dead. By the time you're a young man, young woman, on your 20th birthday, before you turn 30... On your 29th birthday, we begin what is called the Great Depression. During the Great Depression, which lasts until your 38th birthday, a huge chunk of your productive, working, young adult years. Unemployment will have been more than 25%. The world gross domestic product will have dropped by almost 30%. Your country will have nearly collapsed. The world economy will have nearly collapsed. And if you were lucky, if you were one of the lucky ones, you had a job that paid you $300 a year. Less than a dollar a day. That's for your late 20s and the majority of your 30s. So you've already seen 22 million people perish in the trenches. 50 million people perish from the Spanish flu. And now you've lived through the Great Depression, earning less than a dollar a day. Well into your 30s. And then when you turn 39 years old, World War II begins. You're not even, quote-unquote, over the hill. You're 39. You're watching as Europe pulls itself apart again. If you lived in London or any of continental Europe, you would have seen bombings, in your neighborhoods, invasions of your country by foreign soldiers. It would be customary and normal for you to see tank and artillery units moving through your streets on a daily occurrence. Between your 39th and 45th birthday, 75 million people will have died in that war. Forty-five years old, you've lived through two world wars, the Spanish flu and the Great Depression. Now you're really ready to start living life. 
you're 45 years old, and by the time you're 50, you witness the Korean War with 5 million perish. At 55, the Vietnam War begins, and that takes you into your 75th year of life. That's 20 years of fighting in Vietnam. An untold millions of people perish in Vietnam, mostly Oriental people. On your 62nd birthday, you will have witnessed the Cuban Missile Crisis, a tipping point in the Cold War. It will have been claimed that life on planet Earth as we know it was on the brink of ending. But of course, the sensible leaders prevented that from happening. On your hundredth year of life, you will have seen the dot-com scare, the Y2K. You would try to understand exactly what is meant by Y2K, but these young people are speaking way too fast. That's the kind of things that our forefathers, either in Europe or in the United States, have lived through. That's the kind of crisis that they have dealt with, overcome and endured. From the war to end all wars and trench warfare, 22 million people dead. To the Spanish flu that claimed 50 million people in just two years' time. To nine years of a Great Depression crushing people's family, wealth, dreams, living on less than a dollar a day. Straight into World War II before your 40th birthday. 75 million people dead. Five years later, into Korea, fighting against the communist Chinese, 5 million people dead. Then 20 years of combat in Vietnam, by which point many people have just had enough. Cuban Missile Crisis during that time. We didn't even get to the 1980s. We didn't get to the bombing in Lebanon of the Marine Barracks. We didn't get to the wars in the 1990s in Kosovo. Iraq, the first time. Let alone the, the next 20-year saga of endless war in the Middle East which came precipitously and clumsily to an end by fake Catholic usurper-in-chief Joe Biden. For all the people who were born in 1900, how do you think they survived everything? 
Here's a question. When you were a child in 1965, you probably didn't think that your 65-year-old grandparents had any idea how hard your little life was. They don't know how hard school is. They don't know how mean the children are in my class. They don't know anything about me. These, the hard men and women who lived through the transformation of the world, the establishment of the new world order, hundreds of millions of souls snuffed out by disease and war and communism. These people lived through all that And then the baby boomers came along and ruined everything. They wrecked it. They said, they don't understand me. I don't have to listen to the man. I'm special and unique and different. I want to be free. I want sexual revolution. I want no guardrails on my personal behavior. I don't want to fight this, quote-unquote, endless war in Vietnam. This after your parents, the, ba- the parents of the baby boomers, had fought for Europe twice. Had fought in Asia already. Had endured a real epidemic which really killed people and were staring down communism and an alleged nuclear holocaust. We have slowly but surely, in my view, lost perspective. We have been dislodged from any grounding any monicum of understanding of what life is like really on earth. The vast majority of human life on earth has been untold suffering. Human life on planet earth is characterized by war, famine, And pestilence. And if you had been born in 1900, you would have experienced war, famine, and pestilence. Two world wars, the Great Depression, and the Spanish flu. We have been insulated from war, famine, and pestilence ever since the establishment of the New World Order. We have lived comfortable lives, free from war. War is something that you watch on TV. War is something that the kid from Alabama goes and fights. But not the well-bred Harvard man. Famine is something that only conveniently affects inner-city blacks 
making them controllable members of the Democrat Party. Famine is a weapon system now directed at our voting bases to entrap them in government handouts and force them to continually vote for the ruling class. Pestilence has been largely eradicated through the miracle of vaccines. No, that's what they tell us. It's really just the miracle of washing your hands. It's really just the miracle of personal hygiene. You know, when we started washing our hands with soap, (laughs) an amazing thing happened. The measles disappeared. They did. You can look at the disappearance of measles and it began in a, in a sharp way long before there was ever a measles vaccine. People think it was the measles vaccine which, which rid, rid the earth of measles. No. It's just hygiene. It's just cleanliness. What does any of this have to do with Kevin McCarthy? You're asking yourself. Well, I want to lay out the list of trials and tribulations that the former Speaker of the House, the 55th Speaker of the House, has adored. Because I want us in our minds to have the context of the American born in 1900 who fought in Europe twice, in Korea once, who lived through a Great Depression and a real pandemic, who witnessed the Cuban Missile Crisis, and whose latter part of life was characterized by endless war in Vietnam. I I want the continuous life of war and pestilence and famine to be in our minds when we consider and when we ponder exactly what happened to Kevin McCarthy yesterday, last night, the historic rebuke that he received. Kevin McCarthy is out as the Speaker of the House, and he says he will not run again for Speaker. He was removed on Tuesday, and the vote to remove him was 216 to 210. That included eight Republicans and all Democrats in favor of the removal. Now, the House of Representatives, the People's House, your house, the alleged temple of democracy, is rudderless, it is speakerless, And it is somewhat without precedent. On the other side of the break, I want to consider the challenges and tribulations which led to the demise of Kevin McCarthy and then ask you, really, I want you to ask yourself, what are men made of these days? What did men used to be made of? 
back in a minute here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. Don't go anywhere. Hey, I just met you. Heard you're a groomer. So here's your millstone. Good luck, loser. It's hard to look right when you're a pervert. So take your millstone. No kids will get hurt. Gotta get these fools into the bottom of the ocean. Down in the ocean. Alongside that Titan sub. Gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean. Throw them in the ocean. With that Titanic sub. Welcome back to the show. This is Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel Live Talk Radio the way it should be. I am broadcasting, per usual, from the heart of America. Mike Parrott here, your humble host. Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. By the way, it is still the morning. It is the fourth day of the 10th month of the year of our Lord 2023. And if you are drinking hot bean water from Folgers or Maxwell, dispense with it. Cut it out. Knock it off. Get on over to shop.mikechurch.com. Go to the Founders Trading Post. Get yourself any of the multiple premium gourmet coffee blends that are there in the Founders Trading Post at shop.mikechurch.com. Stop drinking Freemasonic bean water and start drinking something with a little bit of oomph to it. The House will take no further votes this week. Republicans are now going to hold a speaker candidate forum. And they're just not, there's not even a front runner right now. There's this guy from North Carolina who wears a bow tie. His name is Patrick McHenry. He is the speaker pro tempore. Just looking at him, he looks like a temporary speaker. He has that look about him like, I don't know where I am. Looks very confused. Perfect guy to put in there because he's not going to try to seize power and remain the actual speaker. Matt Gates, the Republican from Florida, he's the one who introduced the resolution to remove McCarthy from his leadership position after weeks of threatening to do so because McCarthy had passed that stopgap measure. He kept the government open, well, at least until... November. It's called a continuing resolution. It's not a budget. There were no cuts. And, Mac- and McCarthy did what every speaker before him uh, it, in the last 20 years has done, which is to refuse manifestly to pass a budget and just continue funding the government as it is, as it ever was. You know, Ronald Reagan once said, if you want to achieve eternal life on earth, just start a government program. Eight Republicans and all Democrats banded together to remove Kevin McCarthy. Gates probably will be expelled from the Republican conference. Some people in some people are speculating. They're going to kick him out. He has demonstrated a disloyalty to the swamp, which is extremely palpable. Here's the problem. Republicans have a razor-thin margin 
in the House of Representatives. Remember the midterm elections of 2022? Supposed to be a red wave. It was more like a red puddle. Republicans barely took control of the House don't have a majority large enough to really get anything noteworthy done. And they can't really spare even one or two or three defections. So even if they kick Gates out, I I don't see them kicking Gates out, to be honest. But some people are speculating that's going to happen. People are white hot mad. Even Pelosi came to McCarthy's aid saying, quote, this eviction is a sharp departure from tradition and noted that when she was speaker, she gave former speaker Dennis Haster a significantly larger suite of offices for as long as he wished. (laughs) Pelosi said office space doesn't matter to her, but it seems to be important to them. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. The day before uh, uh, Gates ousted McCarthy, the day before that happened, the House of Representatives had done the important work of naming two post offices and nothing else. This is your ineffectual House of Representatives, representing whom we don't know. Quote, I leave the speakership with a sense of pride, accomplishment, and yes, optimism. Kevin McCarthy. I will not run for speaker again. I will have the conference pick someone else. I wouldn't even be surprised if he doesn't just resign. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't just leave. It, it He's got to be so embarrassed that he got himself into this situation. How did he get himself into this situation? Kevin McCarthy made a deal with the quote-unquote extreme MAGA Republicans, the Freedom Caucus, the booby Boberts of the world, Yes, he actually made a deal with Booby Bobert, the lewd, disgusting medically enhanced 30-something-year-old vulgar rude Booby Bobert from Colorado dictated the terms of Kevin McCarthy's speakership. And one of those terms, it turns out the fatal term, was that the threshold for the number of members of Congress it would take to call a, basically a no-confidence vote, was one. See, normally in times past, you would have had to have a whole group come together and say, we don't have trust in this guy anymore, we don't want him. You may have had to have a threshold of 30 or 40 or 50, at least 20. McCarthy tried to negotiate it down to five. 
okay, fine. If five members of the house gang up on me, if five members of my party want me gone, they can probably achieve it. And Booby Bulbert and Matt Gates refused to vote for Kevin McCarthy. Remember, it took him how many rounds of voting? 15 rounds? 17 rounds of voting? It was already a spectacle to get this guy in. And now it's a spectacle to get him out. Kevin McCarthy made waves on his way in and on his way out. And in the interim, I can't think of a single thing he's done. He signed off on government spending. He hasn't investigated anyone. He hasn't delivered any subpoenas to anybody. He has been the swamp creature that we've always known him to be. Congress is now in uncharted territory. The House is going to be forced to hold votes on a new speaker. There's no real nominee coming forward right now, as of today, Wednesday, the fourth day of October. It's not clear that any other Republican could even win enough votes to secure the gavel. You can't appease people who are awake and... I, I'm not I'm not giving him an unqualified vote of confidence. I'm not throwing my weight behind Matt Gates, but there you can't doubt the fact that he is awake. He's pointing out things that few have the fortitude to point out. Matt Gates has pointed out that there have not, have, that there have been zero subpoenas served on this corrupt Biden crime family. No investigations have taken place. No movements towards impeachment. The Bidens appear to be getting off scot-free and getting away with it. And I don't want... I, I happen to wonder out loud if this whole thing, if the demise of Kevin McCarthy isn't designed to distract you from the corruption of Joseph Biden and isn't being used as a means or a ploy to relieve him of any real political liability... One year from now, a new Congress will come in. Who knows if it will be Republican? At this rate, I doubt that it will. When Republicans were sent to Capitol Hill, granted in a fewer number than what people had expected, but they were sent there nonetheless. The House flipped in the midterms. They were sent there with a mission. Cut spending. And cut, cut corruption. Spending didn't get cut. Corruption has been unchecked. So what's the point of it all? Really? Now, back to Kevin McCarthy, tying this into the first segment of the show here. Many of you listened. For those that didn't, your quick refresher is this. If you were born in 1900, then as an extremely young man, you would have seen World War I. You probably would have fought in Europe and witnessed 22 million people perish. 
That same year, you would have seen the Spanish flu epidemic hit the planet and within two years claim 50 million more souls. Before your 30th birthday, the Great Depression would have begun, which you would have lived through for nine years earning a dollar a day. And before your 40th birthday, you would have jumped right into World War II. Again, fighting in Europe. At your 50th birthday, the Korean War would have started, 5 million dead. You then lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis, and the last 20 years of your life were constant, continuous police action. An undeclared war in Vietnam, where millions of humans died. Your life would have been punctuated by war, by pestilence, and by famine. Let's examine the life of Kevin McCarthy, shall we? Kevin McCarthy was born in 1965. He is exactly that generation who looks up at his grandparents, who would have been born in 1900, and says, you don't understand. You don't understand how hard school is for me. How mean the kids are in my class. Your grandparents who survived everything I've listed out to you. He was born in 1965. His grandparents were 65 years old. They lived through two world wars, a real pandemic, a massive depression, which was engineered, by the way, and constant conflict all over the planet, but most especially proxy wars against communists in Asia, war against the communist Chinese in Korea, war against the communist Vietnamese in Vietnam. McCarthy comes along in 1965, born in Bakersfield, California, north of L.A., sleepy little town where oil was discovered. Kern County, California, now Boom County. His parents were Old school Democrats. He went to Bakersfield High School. He played football from 79 to 83. He started selling sandwiches out of the back of his uncle's yogurt shop on Stein Road in 1984. He went to Cal State Bakersfield where he got a Bachelor of Science in Marketing and an MBA in 1994. During college, he worked as a seasonal firefighter. And then he went off. He became a swamp creature. Kevin McCarthy served on the staff of Congressman Bill Thomas from 87 to 2002. In 1995, he chaired the California Young Republicans. 
From 99 to 2001, he chaired the Young Republican National Federation from the late 90s until 2000. He was the district director for Thomas. In 2000, he won election to the Congress. Sorry, uh, to the California State Assembly. He became the Republican floor leader in 2003. In 2006, McCarthy was first elected to the United States House of Representatives as a representative for California's 22nd District. 06. He succeeded his former boss, Bill Thomas, who retired. He waited his turn. He was next in line. Kevin McCarthy did what he had to do to get into Congress. Did you see anywhere along the line that he experienced pestilence or war or famine? We've been through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. He gets into Congress in 2006. Did he fight in the Gulf War? Did he fight in Vietnam? As a freshman, Congressman McCarthy was appointed to the Republican Steering Committee. Republican John Boehner appointed him chair of the Republican Platform Committee during the committee's meetings in Minneapolis in 2008, which produced the Republican Party platform in 2008. He was one of the three founding members of the GOP Young Guns program. After the 2008 elections, he was chosen as Chief Deputy Minority Whip, the highest-ranking appointing position in the House Republican Conference. His predecessor, Eric Cantor, was named Minority Whip. So he was the Majority Whip in 2010 in the 112th Conference. He was the third-ranking House Republican behind John Boehner and speaker and leader Eric Cantor. In 11, McCarthy and Cantor led a group of 30 Republican members of Congress to Israel, where some members took part in a late-night swim in the Sea of Galilee, including one member, Kevin Yoder, who swam nude. When McCarthy and Cantor later found out about the swim... They were furious, quote-unquote, and worried about negative news coverage and called a members-only meeting the next morning to reprimand the group. He then became the House Majority Leader when Eric Cantor lost his primary. Do you remember when Cantor was primaried out of existence? That was good news for McCarthy. Cleared the path. McCarthy sought to succeed Cantor, and after some speculation that Pete Sessions and Jeb Henserling would challenge him, both dropped out, leaving McCarthy a clear path to become majority leader. We're talking about a guy who went from playing football at Bakersfield High School to becoming a swamp creature immediately after college. I cannot find I cannot find a single job 
this man has ever held. Kevin McCarthy has been a rich and powerful Republican swamp creature since the beginning. Since the beginning of his adult life. Kevin McCarthy does not appear to have the background, the training, the fortitude, any of the qualities that we would want for the man who's third in line to the presidency of the United States of America. Ladies and gentlemen, this is democracy in action. This is how our country works now. We nourish the people who have never lived through adversity of any kind. We nourish them, love them, cherish them, and hand them the gavels to control our lives. Now listen, I've met Kevin McCarthy in a private home. I have a picture with him. I posted it on Twitter. I listened to his stump speech leading up to the 2022 midterms. There's nothing particularly wicked about him when you meet him. There's nothing particularly charismatic about him. There's nothing particularly memorable at all. In fact, he was somewhat soft-spoken. And he was very much outshined by the fact that a sitting United States senator showed up to the House as well uh, without people knowing he was coming. My question to you is what connection, if any, does a man like Kevin McCarthy have to the men who endured the wars, the famine, and the pestilence that characterize human life on earth, especially in the 20th century. My answer is that he has no connection whatsoever. My answer is that Kevin McCarthy somehow believes that it is okay for us to spend more money on government programs today in 2023 than we ever considered spending in World War One or two or during the Great Depression or during the Spanish flu, or during the Cuban Missile Crisis, or during the Cold War, or during Vietnam. Kevin McCarthy somehow believes today that all of the protocols and safety measures for COVID-1984 
were justified. The lockdowns, the economic impact, the societal impact, the emotional and psychological impact to people, all justified to prevent the sneezing and coughing, the common cold. He never lived through a real pandemic like the Spanish flu, which killed 50 million people in two years. He somehow thinks that the poverty problem that we have in these United States, where the poor have smartphones and air conditioning and automobiles. He somehow thinks that the famine of today is somehow comparable to the Great Depression, where families lived on less than a dollar a day. You see, he is a man. He is a product of the new world order. He is a product of the new safety, stability, comfort guardrails which have been erected around human society, especially in the West. Borders don't move in the West anymore. Nobody invades anybody anymore. There's no territorial disputes about anything anymore. Just eat your fried chicken, smoke your dope, and watch your Netflix, okay? There is nothing worth fighting for anymore. You may now return to your regularly scheduled program of finding your inner self and your true gender identity. Brought to you by Pfizer. The demise of Kevin McCarthy was inevitable. It was of his own doing. It was because he made a terrible deal. He's a terrible negotiator. He is a swamp creature. He's never employed anybody. He's never run a business. He's never signed a paycheck. He's never even worked in the private sector. He went from young Republicans to Speaker of the House in a cool 20 years. He is uninspiring, uninsightful, unread, and unprepared for the, for, the, for the duties that were before him. And my hat's off to Matt Gates for unseating him. My only beef with Gates is that he took too long. I understand Gates was waiting for him to do the continuing resolution, to agree with government spending, to get him on record for failing on his promises. That's fine. You held him accountable. Bravo. But the deeper underlying question is that if we live in a country where it is possible for an unaccomplished, completely forgettable buffoon, swamp creature, like Kevin McCarthy, to get anywhere near the orbit of power. We need to seriously reconsider our nation. We need to seriously reconsider the direction of our country. Structurally. 
Because a nation which in its coddling and in its comforts and in its wealth and luxuries produces the pampered boy, man-child, like Kevin McCarthy and places him into power, that nation deserves to be destroyed. They say, ladies and gentlemen, they say that tough times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create soft men. And soft men create bad times. Where are we in that cycle? Where are we in the Kevin McCarthy cycle? Thank you so much for listening to the program. This is Parrot Talk on the Crusade Channel Live Talk Radio the way it should be. And I'll be back with you tomorrow, the fifth day of October. God bless you, and we'll see you then. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com